0: This is the Morning Brief from the Economic Times.
1: Where madam?
2: cash payment? Okay, problem say,
1: kudunga madam Kunjo extra cash, kudunga please. For someone who doesn't drive and is almost completely reliant on Ola and Uber to get basically anywhere, there's not a day that goes by without me having to hear everything you just heard from cab and auto drivers. Getting rejected by cab drivers has become a way of life for me and I'm sure it's something that everyone who has used these apps can relate to.
0: One of the most annoying
1: things about Uber is after you've booked your ride, a driver will message you asking where your uh, destination is and then immediately make up an excuse. So, would you please cancel the ride?
0: You know, when I take an Ola, their first question is, where are you going? The second question is, how are you paying? If I'm paying via Ola money, it's a straight up no. They do not want to go anywhere.
1: Not only has the prices you know, gone skywards. It has also started becoming completely arbitrary. The same distance can be charged for 200 rupees one day and 450 rupees the next day. But here's where things take an interesting turn that is meant to give the Ubers and Olas of the world a right for their money. The Kerala government is all set to come up with a desi alternative to the popular corporate online cabs by launching its own e-taxi service from next month, considered to be the first such initiative by any state government in the country. Named as Kerala Savari, the online taxi hiring service is being rolled out by the state labor department linking the existing auto taxi networks in the state with an aim to ensure safe and dispute-free travel for the public at affordable rates prevailing in the state. Addressing a press meet, Minister for Education, Labor and Skill Development, V. Shivankutty said the unique service was also envisaged as a helping hand to the auto taxi labor sector, which is facing several challenges nowadays. It's different from the online chauffeur-driven car rental company with the same name and is the country's first government-owned online auto taxi service, possibly a first in the whole world. It is Friday, the 2nd of September. I'm your host, Reki, and you are listening to Sarkari Savari, Kerala vs Uber Ola on The Morning Brief. But can this succeed? Will other state governments follow suit and launch their own apps? Will the drivers benefit from such an initiative? And most importantly, will such an app get people like you and me, who've been spoilt by the convenience, comfort and familiarity of an Uber and Ola, to switch platforms and change our habits? To find out, I speak to the CEO of the Kerala Initiative, a venture capitalist specializing in mobility, a Delhi-based director of a professional ground transportation company, and my colleague to drive home all the questions I have in mind. So hop in and join the ride.
3: There are, various, uh, welfare, the 20, there are various activities.
1: That's Ranjit P. Manohar, CEO of Kerala Savari. My co-host, Arijit Barman, caught him while he was on his way to office. I wonder if he was sitting in one of the Kerala Savari vehicles. I guess we'll never know, but let's focus on what we do know. Over to you, Arijeet.
3: Yes, go on. Okay. In, in, the, yeah, in the state of Kerala, there is a welfare fund board for drivers It mm-hmm. is called uh, Kerala Motor Transport Welfare Fund Board. Mm-hmm. And there are various, uh, well, uh, the board is doing, and uh, the are various health activities. Mm-hmm. So we created this platform where the legal department has it and the uh, motor transport uh, department, legal methodology department, police department all are in the consortium. And uh, we created a platform, correct, with the help of ITI, card, India, Telephone in this card. Correct. And the uh, vehicle uh, owners uh, as well as drivers get the notified rate, uh, as such notified from the time, time by the government of Kerala. and they will get that. And in addition to that, that's an 8% service charge that goes to the service provider of as government, if you go uh-huh. to, uh, into the uh, idea, so that's government of, so government of Interesting.
2: What triggered this initiative? Is it because the drivers are not getting a fair deal from these, uh, from Olaf and the know, Uber, or because of customer inconvenience?
3: Yeah, there is some main thing that both, as well as the customer and uh, the driver also, they already, Uber you, you, you and Ola have come up with their platform. Uh-huh. So, uh, in Kerala, it, 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 not in Kerala, as well as over oh, India, it's necessary from the part of government to take initiative to launch a to, uh, government team. That's why we launch it as well as it is. Uh, as well as that, uh, when and children are the the security aspect is also covered under this. Because everything is foolproof. There is a panic button. Some uh, call facility called as will be. It will go to the nearest police station and all. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. So how it's planned. So there are two aspects: uh, proper, no disputes between the buyer as well as the passenger Then mm-hmm. security aspect is also there.
0: I see. I see.
3: Because, Everything is going uh, on this online platform nowadays, and we are promoting digital presently, uh, uh, and all that's why. And Kerala government, as well as L7 both thought about having this uh, helping hand drivers as well as owners and comfortable, wide without any uh, problem for the customers. Also. Customers also. And, sir, yeah,
2: uh, yeah. are you going to make it available all across Kerala? Yeah, this is a private project
3: with one of the CNS flagged off and everything is ready now. After this, it will be available in all parts of Kerala. First, then we will go for the Metro Space uh, Corporations from Sympathia and then it will usually end the other areas also.
2: Yeah. But do you think that this will actually make other states also think of on similar lines?
3: But, uh, that's other other states must do. We are only <laughs> now doing India, but because it is the initiative of Government of India. Correct. That is true. Yes. No, no, sir. Yes. Great, great initiative. Yes. It, it, government of India takes it as a national thing, then it can be extended all over the country. If, again, the Government of India, India thinks that it's right, then they can also use this platform or something like that, they have a sharing or something like that, then everything will go right. because. Our technology, पंडा, is a the, uh, India public sector undertaking. Correct. Software and all other parts are uh, dealt by them.
2: That is true. Thank you, thank you so very much, sir.
1: But context setting at this point is crucial to understand what the challenges are that Uber and Ola have been facing in India.
4: Uh, Last fiscal, Ola reported a 65% year-on-year drop in revenues. Added to it, there has been a significant drop in the number of drivers at both Ola and Uber. While the electric two-wheeler has clearly overtaken the cab business at Ola, Uber's inaction has only one assumable answer, which is the company thinks it has nothing to lose. That's my
1: colleague Kanika Saxena, who has been writing extensively for ET Prime on how Uber and Ola promised the moon to their drivers, but then failed to deliver. So clearly, it seems everyone is unhappy. The customers like you and me, the makers, and of course, the most important stakeholders, the drivers, who have to bear the brunt of rising fuel costs, high commissions, crazy work hours and have to deal with a cumbersome technology and payment system that many of them may not be adept at handling. Hmm, did I leave anyone out? Well, let's find out. Thank you so much, Kanika, for joining us on The Morning Brief. And just to sort of start off the conversation, what are the challenges that Uber and Ola have been facing in India?
4: So, Ola and Uber are faced with challenges that they themselves cultivated. Now their operations in the country have opened a Pandora's box and it includes ethical, legal, cultural and managerial problems brought to the table all at once. So Ola and Uber entered the mobility sector with promises of great incentives and flexibility. The commission rates were kept at 20% and the drivers enjoyed the idea of earn as you work and work as you will, which has been a prominent factor that sells like hotcakes in a labor market now, within a few years, the platform started experimenting with whether they could charge the drivers more for these rides. So the slabs moved up from 20 to 25% and then gradually moved up as high as 35 to 40%. Now it burns a deep hole in the pocket of drivers who have to manage not just the commission fee, but also a surge in fuel prices, GST, car maintenance, EMI, and personal expenses. Initially, the drivers didn't realize that they were being charged a higher commission rate. But when they did, things started going downhill for the platforms. The drivers were forced to tweak the system because the companies didn't care. And this has been a big reason behind drivers cancelling rides, turning off ACs, or demanding payments in cash. Another challenge that the cab aggregators have repeatedly faced and failed to implement is the safety apparatus. The panic button system is hardly present in the cars. On occasions when it does, it is unlikely to work and the in-app safety button takes longer than expected to connect the passenger or the driver with an executive. There has been a significant drop in the number of drivers at both Ola and Uber. While the electric Two-wheeler has clearly overtaken the cab business at Ola. Uber's inaction has only one assumable answer, which is the company thinks it has nothing to lose.
1: But do you think they have nothing to lose? I mean, we're seeing a lot of new players coming into the system, sort of trying to plug in the gaps that there may be. Do you see them being able to compete with Ola and Uber?
4: See, the drivers are definitely looking for a way out by, you know, either switching to other players such as Rapido or Blue Smart or InRider, or they are completely, you know, turning towards delivery partner services like Swiggy and Zomato. But, you know, with other players, even the state-owned actors, you know, coming into the picture, there is going to be a stiff competition for Ola and Uber in the coming years.
1: Right. Do you see more states following this model?
4: Kerala government's Kerala Savari is the pioneer in being a state-owned online taxi service. But previously, some states did try to enter the ride-sharing market. For example, around 2014-15, Delhi government had launched Poochho Driver app for booking taxi and auto rickshaw in Delhi NCR. In the following years, Mumbai's local Kalipili taxi drivers they launched Amchi Driver Mumbai app. Then in Karnataka, the state's ex-chief minister H D Kumaraswamy bag H D K Caps. However, after being stalled midway, the company made a comeback as Holi Technologies. And also the Kerala Savari. Now, what's interesting is that the first phase of Kerala government's project aims to ensure is the promise that Ola Uber two made but have long forgotten about. The service charge of Kerala Savari remains 8% as opposed to 30-40% charged by Ola and Uber. Furthermore, panic button system would be mandatory. GPS would be installed at a subsidized rate and both the passenger and driver can easily connect with down the clock control rooms of police stations, fire force and even the motor vehicle department. So if done right, all these companies along with you know state back actors are going to pose a stiff competition to Ola and Uber and other states may definitely follow suit. At this point, I felt
1: it was necessary to get the venture capitalist in. Kunal Khattar is a founding partner at Advantage, an early-stage fund focused on mobility across the EV ecosystem, auto e-commerce, logistics, and shared mobility. And let me add that he had a completely different take on the whole thing from Kanika. How did you react when you read about the news of the Kerala government's initiative to start their own, you know, ride-hailing service.
0: My first reaction, of course, was, uh, what's the government doing getting into any form of business? Historically, governments have not had tremendous success when they get into businesses of any kind, uh, whether it's airline, hospitality, or technology. So I don't think it's the right precedence. But then I realized, you know, announcing something and actually executing and delivering it And then making it successful are three different things. So I think we just have to wait and watch and see how this pans out.
1: When it comes to Uber and Ola, right, they're among the most synonymous ride hailing services in the country. Uh, Do you think a state owned service like Kerala Savari will find takers?
0: I think that's a complex question. Demand exists, supply exists. Uh, We can safely assume that it's an extremely complex problem to solve. And um, I just feel that, you know, government agencies or departments just don't have the talent or the DNA to solve for challenges at that level of scale. So I'm just a little skeptical of what they're trying to achieve You know, even at the level and scale and the price point at which Ola and Uber are running operations, they are still, you know, struggling to achieve profitability. So, for me, it just doesn't add up.
1: Right. You mentioned specifically about the challenges that Uber and Ola have been facing. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about what the India-specific challenges are and how ride-hailing apps are doing in general? I think the
0: number one thing we've got to recognize, key difference between, say, an India ride-hailing platform to that in the U.S. is that in India, there is a regulation that does not allow a privately registered vehicle which we refer to as a white number plate, to be used on these platforms. Government says that you need to have a commercially registered vehicle, which is a yellow number plate, to come on an Uber and Ola. So actually, it is not, in the true sense of the word, a shared mobility platform. In Uber, as you're all aware, in the U.S., or Lyft, 100% of the supply are private individuals who are using their existing personal vehicles to provide a service on a part-time or full-time basis, which means that these are people who are not really looking at Uber and Ola as a means for working full-time. At least most of them are working, coming here and working part-time. That opens up a supply that is uh, potentially every single car owner in America has the ability to come on to Uber and Ola. In India, because of this unique regulation, we're actually getting full-time professional taxi drivers to come on to Uber and Ola. Now, the minute you do that, there is expectation that you will earn enough to take care of your car, EMI, your maintenance, your fuel, and earn a standard you know, living wage, which means expectations are very high. I think that's probably, if you ask me, one of the biggest reasons why. Uber and Ola are struggling to achieve that high level of profitability from a taxi owner or a car owner's point of view, because that scale is just not there. And if we try to increase prices, what happens is a majority of Indian gets priced out. It's actually, India is predominantly a two-wheeler market, not a four-wheeler market in terms of what is affordable to a majority of Indians, which is why we backed a company like Rapido over four-wheeler options.
1: Right. So... Interesting that you mentioned Rapido because I was just coming to that. Do you think that startups like Rapido and others that are coming into the space and operating in the two-wheeler sharing and two-wheeler ride-hailing space will do better in a country like India? What is your analysis of that?
0: Absolutely. So, Rapido succeeds because of Uh, two reasons. One, of course, is the price point. At the price point that a bike taxi operates, almost 100 million Indians can afford to commute at that price. Secondly is um, the government has actually permitted personal mobility of of people owning personal two-wheelers to come on board on ride-sharing platforms and and work on a part-time basis, which means that we have 240 million two-wheelers owners in this country. Therefore, there is almost an infinite supply available for a platform like Rapido to source there. So for for th- these two reasons, um, we think Rapido's business model is, is far superior and therefore would be able to achieve scale even though the ticket size is, is is probably a fifth of that of Anola and Uber. Uber really was trying to duplicate their existing business model that ach- achieved uh, tremendous success in the US, in India. And what we've realized now, of course, is that If something works in America, it doesn't necessarily work in India.
1: But you know, Kunal, even in a place like Goa, Uber and Ola are not really allowed to operate. And now with Kerala doing this, will other states follow suit?
0: I'm sort of not in favor of regulation restricting the ability for customers to choose a solutions provider, if you ask me. I'm a strong proponent of free market. Uh, you brought up Goa as a great example where Ola and Uber is not allowed to operate because of the strong local taxi unions, etc. cetera. So what does that mean ultimately to the end users that they end up paying, you know, two to three X of what they would pay if, if a service like Ola and Uber was available? Ultimately, who's losing out in the end? It's, it's the end customer. I mean, if traditional taxis, whether they're the Kalipili, as we refer to them colloquially, there the uh, you know the taxi operators in goa a government should allow everybody to operate and you be competitive deliver good value so there is a market for a premium private taxi operator there's a market for ride sharing there's a market for there's a price conscious customer who wants a bike taxi etc by stifling competition and preventing ride sharing apps to operate in a city you're actually harming yourself and you're you're allowing people to deliver inferior product or service at a high price point and that is what gave an opportunity for uber and all that to to establish itself and become market leader from a from a scale point of view. I mean, if existing service providers were providing great service at the right price, then why would customers move away from, you know, other service providers and move over to Uber and Ola? So I think that you have to let free markets operate.
1: Also, when we're speaking about these apps, they were sort of here to kind of make customers' lives easier. But you see social media flooded with complaints of people you know, suffering bad pricing or bad experiences with drivers or multiple cancellations and so on. Do you think that this is something that these large companies should pay more attention to or are they quite unconcerned?
0: Oh, I can assure you they're concerned. I don't think there's any service provider that has the ability to ignore their customer's voice. If they do, then they won't survive for long businesses would have shut down by now if everybody on uber and ola was unhappy or, or any other platform so let's recognize that so you have some quality service issues happening on these platforms and the reason for that is it's it's recognized what what's caused that of course there was huge disruption in this sector because of COVID, right now everybody's out, COVID is behind us, so demand is back. Everybody's going to the malls, going to the movies, going out for a drink, colleges have opened, offices open, but supply is coming back slowly, slowly. This is the reason why there is a temporary issue and some levels of dissatisfaction of rights, you know, getting cancelled, supply not being available. So you've got a combination of things that's affecting the perception that Uber and Ola is a problem and nobody's happy and it's become very expensive because, again, social media has magnifying people who are complaining about this. But I think every society, every country needs services like this uh, and they're here to stay. I think it's just a question of time before things uh, get into equilibrium.
1: Sure. And, you know, it seems like Ola and Uber definitely have riled up taxi drivers and unions in many states so will we see this whole kerala model people taking some sort of inspiration from there do you see other states following suit in that sense
0: you know uber has always riled up unions and and um, you know traditional taxi models all over the world i mean that's what a disruptor does right and the reason it, it was able to do that was because customers were paying exorbitant prices for substandard quality of service you talked about the yellow cabs in calcutta and if you've ever been in say delhi or or bombay then you've used those traditional cabs honestly speaking if you remember what what's the condition of those vehicles right so to say that okay we should unionize and we should force customers to pay for you know a high price for poor quality product and not allow competition i think that's not the way if the government feels that they should create a tech platform like Savari, go ahead, do that. But don't do it at the expense of saying, okay, now that I've built a platform, no, I'm going to, like Goa, is the, no, I'm not going to allow Ola and Uber to operate. Well, why don't you compete with them? And you come in at a lower price point. And trust me, at a lower price point means that you're going to provide probably not the best quality of service so if you if you want to compete with them that's fine allow customers to vote with their wallet and allow the supply to also decide whether they want to be on Ola Uber or they want to be you know on a government platform
1: the next guest i spoke to sandeep wanchu is a veteran when it comes to the transportation business with decades of experience he's the co-founder and director at mobility management services which is looking to take the stress out of global companies by managing their ground transportation needs. I asked him about whether he felt state-owned players can match the comfort and convenience that Ola and Uber provide customers, and whether they can compete with the deep pockets, tech abilities, and marketing muscle that these companies come with. Here's what he had to say. Thank you so much for taking time out to be on The Morning Brief. And just to get the conversation started, do you feel like this sort of a state-owned ride-hailing service can compete with the likes of an Ola and Uber?
5: See, currently the only thing which uh, is unique as far as the service is concerned, although it's more inclined towards auto rickshaws, and we are only talking of a city like Trivandrum, which is uh, not one of the metro cities in India today. So uh, the only thing which uh, is different as far as Kerala Savari is concerned is their commissions, which I think they're charging, the government is charging, I think, around 8% against a private guy who would uh, work at a spread of around 20 to 30%. So definitely there is scope. There is scope to organize things. Uh, the, the important thing is how many states respond to it. Kerala has always been proactive as far as these initiatives are concerned, but I'm not sure How well would states really be able to implement this?
1: Right. But why is there this sort of backlash against Uber and Ola? Is it because they've been exploitative?
5: Two, three things. One is when the Ola, Uber, when they were launched in the country, the kind of commission structures which were being offered to the drivers were non-sustainable. And uh, this was primarily because they were private equity funded. And one knew for sure that uh, this kind of uh, commission structure is non-sustainable and it would not run in the long run. And that is exactly what has happened. The other issue was, as far as search pricing is concerned, now that's something which uh, Ola and Uber exploited to the hilt. And the third important thing is, you cannot talk to anybody in these organizations because there is no face, they're faceless organizations. I mean, you can add best call up helpline numbers, which are very, very slow to react to complaints. Safety was another issue. Uh, Quality of cabs has deteriorated uh, and I don't think there is any kind of check which has gone on uh, to check whether what's the quality of the cabs and therefore, there's no consistency of service as far as Ola and Uber are concerned in the country today.
1: Right. And do you feel like for this specific purpose and to plug these gaps, we're seeing a lot of new players coming in uh, with more India-focused models, if I can call it that. Do you see that happening?
5: In, in NCR, uh, we witness, uh, Blue Smart, which obviously is operating on an electric platform. They don't operate on normal ice engines. And Blue Smart, since it's private equity funded, they're adding on to their fleet. The drivers are new. The, the cars are clean. Since the ca- cars are new, people are finding a pleasant change. And also, since it's electric, uh, the impact on carbon emissions is, is certainly a point which can be taken uh, into consideration. So BlueSmart is very, very visible in in NCR and uh, they've been extremely active as far as uh, visibility is concerned.
1: Sure. But would it be safe to say that because of an Ola and Uber, the traditional trade of taxi drivers and unions and so on have finally got their act together and are trying to sort of regain lost ground, which is why we're seeing all of this action happening in this space?
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. I mean, I'll give you an example of uh, Bangalore city airports. The Bangalore airport is about forty kilometers or forty-five kilometers from the main city. And today, what's happened is these guys have formed a, a WhatsApp group. And if you want to get a cab, uh, it's very easy if you have uh, access to anybody on this group because there's somebody or the other who's in proximity to the airport. And this is an informal arrangement of about 150 odd people who've gotten together and formed this group in Bangalore. So, likewise, I see this happening at a lot of uh, locations. Uh, it's an informal kind of a structure, but uh, people are actually joining hands together now, which was uh, not happening pre-COVID.
1: Sandeep, what is a hurdle that India needs to address immediately when it comes to ride-hailing?
5: So. You know, uh, one observation is in India, I don't know why is there a differentiation between a yellow plate and a black and white plate. I mean, ideally, everything should be one pool so that the pool is much bigger. So we have, I think, ourselves uh, shot ourselves in the foot by going in for these yellow plates and for commercial registration and for different set of rules for commercial cars, which I have not seen in other countries. So if you have a black and white plate, which is allowed to operate as a taxi During free time, anybody can operate this as a Ola or Uber. So why restrict people to buying yellow plates and then going through a convoluted uh, taxation structure?
1: Right. But when it comes to something like Kerala Savari, I'm going to take you back to that. uh, With these kinds of huge discounts that they give, How can a state-owned sort of app compete with companies that have deep pockets like an Ola and Uber? How do you see that playing out?
5: You know, it can happen if all the states get together. Now, the first important thing is each state would think differently because ultimately it's the bureaucracy which would run these models. And India, is a, each state is a, is a is a complex structure. I mean, it's, it's as good as running a country in Europe. So I'm not sure as to... See, on all these initiatives are great, bold initiatives which typically emanate from South, South India. I'm not sure whether North India, West India or Eastern part of the country... Would actually follow uh, and follow this model. So, uh, let's see how things pan out. But there is definitely scope.
1: Sure. So, if I were to just ask you a broad question, which is, what do you see as the future of ride-hailing in India? What would you say?
5: So, what has happened is there is a huge movement which has happened uh, as far as mobility is concerned across the country. And uh, the important piece is, this is what we typically call as point-to-point uh, travel, but upon, as far as point-to-point movement is concerned, it's extremely important because public transportation is, still continues to be extremely weak in the country.
1: It isn't just companies that are looking to innovate and find a sustainable model that can match the deep pockets of these ride-hailing giants. It is also cab drivers like Mohammed Asif Khan who are looking at ways to compete with these organized fleets.
3: Sir, I am going to tell
2: you that I am
3: going to you that I am going to sir. Mm-hmm. to हूं वो तो अपने ही जेब में जा रहा है ना सर जो 40 रुपया 45 रुपया बढ़ गया है एक किलो के पीछे वो तो अपने ही सर पे जा रहा है से बहुत तकलीफ Ola Uber हो या पराई बेड़ हो जिनकी अब गया है सर जो पैसा 40 रुपया पैसा मिलता था, मिल था रुपया हो तो आपको आपको
2: कभी मन नहीं करता कि मैं फुल टाइम ओला उबर पर चला जाऊं झंझट कम है या बेटर है तुम्हारे लिए
3: नहीं सर ना बेहतर ये भी नहीं है सर इसमें पानी नहीं मिल पाता ओला उबर चलाएंगे सर दो 3 300 किलोमीटर गाड़ी चल जाएगी उसमें भी वही इनका उनका तो कुछ हाथ
1: State owned or not, ride hailing is here to stay in some form or the other. Uber and Ola may have problems galore, but it is that can't live with them, can't live without them sort of conundrum. Ask me. Of course, if there's an app that is easy to use and provides me with the same comfort and those price slashing coupons, I wouldn't have an issue switching at all. But in all these years, That hasn't happened, for me at least. But it's quite evident that the two most funded companies in this space are plagued with chronic neglect, lack of focus, high attrition, and supply-side constraints. Once the darling of investors, they are facing severe speed bumps and nimbler players are disrupting them. And with new players in the fray, these companies will also have to gear up for increased competition and that's never a bad thing for customers at least. And now with the state government taking the helm and putting its might behind a homegrown app, it might just nudge other states to push the accelerator on similar initiatives. By its own accounts, Uber generated 44,600 crore rupees worth of value for the Indian economy in 2021. Even if we take this at face value, can any politician worth his slogans ignore the wider socio-economic impact that these ride-hailing companies have? Just consider two heads, the jobs they potentially create and the tax revenues they generate. While you ponder over that, I will continue to beg my cab drivers to take me literally everywhere and incentivize it with a cash rather than a digital payment. Thank you Kanika, Kunal and Sandeep. I'm your host Dia Rekhi, and you are listening to Sarkari Savari Kerala vs. Uber Ola on the Morning Brief. Credits for the episode Producer Sumit Pandey from the Economic Times, Sound Engineer Rajas Nayak from the Economic Times, Executive Producers Anupriya Bahadur and Arijit Barman from the Economic Times. If you like this episode, do share it on your social media. Tune in to ET Play, our latest platform for all things audio, including your favorite podcast, The Morning Brief. Our episodes drop every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Have a great weekend. Goodbye and good luck. All external sound clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits are mentioned in the description.